Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of John, the Gospel Record of John in chapter number 13. The Gospel Record of John and chapter number 13. We are starting a brand new series dealing with the Upper Room Discourse, The Last Night with Jesus Christ. And this is the introduction message, so I'm not going to give too much introduction to the introduction message. But what this is going to do is going to show the intimacy that Jesus Christ had with his disciples the night before he is, he is sent to the cross of Calvary. And if you don't mind, take some time to look with me in the gospel record of John chapter 13. The gospel record of John chapter 13 and notice with me in verse number 1. The gospel record of John chapter 13. And notice with me in verse 1. The Bible says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour <coughs> was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And the supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the Gospel record of John chapter 13? The Gospel record of John chapter 13, and notice with me in verse number 1, notice the phrase, loved his own. Loved his own. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to introduce this whole section to you with the title, loved his own. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being an intimate God, a real God, a loving God. And we thank you that we could see your heart as you pull your disciples close to you. And you comfort them, you encourage them, you prepare them for the days ahead. And we know that you loved us as well. And as you said here, you loved us till the end. And that you have the same desire for us to be intimate with us, to pull us close, to prepare us and to equip us for the world that it's about that we are going to face. Again, help us as we go through this series that we would be closer with you and that every day with Jesus would be sweeter than the day before. We love you now. Help us fill me with your spirit and just get your own work accomplished tonight, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, what we see here is the last hours of Jesus Christ with his disciples. In fact, the entire gospel record of John puts us most of its emphasis on the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry. 
And the last chapters here, 13, 14, 15, and 16, 17, all deal with a matter of hours. That in just a matter of hours, Jesus Christ is going to be arrested. Jesus Christ is going to be put on a false trial before the sun even rises. The verdict is going to come in an illegal trial that he is guilty. Early in the morning, he's going to be dragged before the Roman government. And the Roman government's going to examine him, put him in their own trial. And they're going to call him guilty. He is going to be sentenced and the sentence is going to be carried out even before lunchtime. You understand the events are going to happen very rapidly. That Jesus Christ knows what is going to happen. And he's using this time to prepare his disciples. And in these chapters, there are three main themes that are being dealt with inside of this, uh, these chapters. And it just so happens that verses 1 through 3 of chapter 13 gives us an outline of the themes that are going to be hit during this time of, of the last hours with Jesus Christ. And so if you don't mind, let's hit these major themes and kind of give an overview of what is going to be hit within the following chapters. The very first thing I'd like to show you is that his loving teaching of the disciples. His loving teaching of the disciples. Now Jesus Christ has traveled approximately three and a half years with these disciples he has pulled these disciples to himself and has drawn them close. They have traveled with Jesus. They have eaten with Jesus. They have slept under the stars with Jesus. They've watched his miracles. They've watched his people try to stone him. They've watched the reactions. They've seen the things that Jesus has done. They've traveled with him. And they don't quite understand what is going on. Jesus has tried to explain to them several times that what is going to happen. But they didn't quite listen. But now Jesus knows that his hour is drawing nigh. If you don't mind, notice with me in verse 1 of chapter 13. Gospel record of John chapter 13 verse 1. Now before the feast of the, pa now before the, feast of the Passover, this is dealing... Um, with this event of the Passover. And it's during this time that Jesus is going to have what we call the Last Supper. The Memorial Supper. Now before the feast of the Passover. When Jesus knew that his hour was come. That he should depart out of this world unto the Father. See Jesus knew what was going to happen. Jesus of course being God knew everything and knew all time. And he knew that his hour was come. That he knew that his time was up. And he needed to pull the disciples close. And instruct them. And prepare them for the days to come. And what we find in chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16, 17. Is an intimate time with just Jesus and his disciples. We don't have the crowds. He has dismissed the crowds. There's no crowds. There's no masses. Just 11 men. It starts with 12 men. One of them leaves in the midst of it. But just 11 men that he trusts. 11 men that he is counting on to carry on the work for him. 11 men who are going to be devastated within the next 24 hours. 11 men who are going to think that everything they did in the last three and a half years was a failure. 
And he has to pull them close. And look at them and get them to understand and prepare them for the days that are yet ahead. And why did he do this? Notice if you don't mind in verse 13, verse, or chapter 13, verse 1 again. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Notice this, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. Here he loved his own. And because he loved them, he wanted to spend this time to equip them. He wanted to spend this time to prepare them for the next stages. Because things are going to be radically different from this point on. Things are not going to work the same. You see, what's going to happen is that Jesus Christ is going to leave them. He is going to be killed. He's going to be put on a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, he's going to rise again. But even when he rises again, things are going to be different because Jesus won't stay with him for the 40 days. He pops in and out. But after the 40 days, Jesus Christ is going to ascend to heaven and he's going to be gone. And the disciples are going to have to carry on the work without Jesus bodily being there. You know, it's one thing to have a leader to tell you what to do. It's one thing to have a boss that you go in and say, what do I do now? What do I do now? It's another thing when the boss says, all right, you're in charge. I expect you to do the things that I told you to do. That's another thing when you're the one who has the responsibility on you. You're no longer being told what to do. You're expected to carry out those wishes and instructions on your own. And so he has to pull this time because things are going to change. There was a great work that needed to be done. Why did Jesus come in the first place? Well, the Bible is very clear that Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. That was his purpose in life. So what is going to be the purpose of his disciples? To finish the work. Because Jesus did not finish the work of reaching everyone. He finished the work of dying on the cross and paying for the price for everyone. But now he has given the disciples, the church, those followers, the responsibility of finishing the work of not making sure that any shall perish, but also come to repentance. To go into all the world and to preach the gospel. They're going to be expected to carry out this orders. And so Jesus is pulling them aside. They needed the last minute training so they will continue. So they'll continue. They're going to need this so they don't quit the ministry. Hey, following after Jesus and Jesus dying on the cross, that's enough to devastate anybody. You put into it that right when he's arrested, everyone runs. And denies Christ. Have that failure upon them. That's enough to make someone quit. And so Jesus knowing what's going to happen. Needs to encourage them and help them. So what we see here. Is that the discourse begins. At the end of the Passover feast. In the upper chamber. Jesus instructs them. And then what occurs. Is that as he's instructing them. He walks with them to the garden of Gethsemane. Where he prays. And after he gets done praying. He's going to be arrested. So literally just a few hours are passed. In these chapters. But it's an intimate time where Jesus. 
is getting with his disciples one-on-one. Just them and Jesus. Now, some of the things that Jesus would teach and reminds the disciples in the next several chapters, which we're going to hit, is that first of all, he's going to cover the idea that even though we're saved, we still need to be washed. Even though we're saved, we still need to be washed. Thank the Lord that the Bible says in 1 John 5, uh, 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That even though we're saved, we need to be washed. Something else that he's going to cover in the next couple chapters is that we need to serve others. We need to serve others. Remember that Jesus Christ came down and made himself of no reputation. And made himself in the fashion of a servant. And that he gave us the example of service. And that instead of us building empires. Instead of us trying to find others to serve us. We are to be seeking who we can serve. And be a help to. The Bible here in John chapter 13 through 17. He's going to take some time to pull the disciples. And teach them the importance of loving one another. Loving one another. Hereby... All men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. This commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. And he puts this big emphasis that you need to love one another. You need to love other Christians. He pulls the disciples aside in these chapters. He also tells them this very important thing. The only way to God is through Jesus Christ. There is no bypass. There is no other way. Jesus said very clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man go to the Father but by me. And he pulls him aside and says, I want you to know why this is so important. Because if you know Jesus, you know God. And if you want to know God, you know him by getting to know Jesus Christ. He goes on and also gives them this great encouragement here. In the next couple chapters. Is that the comforter will be our greatest teacher. The comforter will be our greatest teacher. After all. Can you imagine Jesus pulling them aside. And they're starting to understand. That there's something different about this meeting. And they're starting to ask questions. And they're starting to freak out. And that's why Jesus says. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believed in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house. You know why he says. um, Be not troubled. Because they're starting to get troubled when he's starting to say, all right, boys, I'm going to leave. And now can you imagine that God who did all these miracles that you traveled with and ate with says, I'm leaving and I'm going to be gone for a while. They're like, what are we going to do? You're the one with the power. You're the one who does the work. And Jesus says, guess what? I will not leave you comfortless. I will send another comforter. And he says, this comforter is going to be just as good as if I was standing right there with you, except that he could be everywhere. I'm sending the Holy Spirit, the comforter, and he's going to be your greatest teacher. The Bible goes on and also explains within these chapters this very important principle. If we love him, we will keep his commandments. You understand that if someone says, I love God, but doesn't obey the commandments... They don't love the Lord. This is an important principle. That you, the way that you show your love is not by words. It's by action. And that you will show Jesus you love him not by saying it, 
but by obeying him. That's how you show your love towards him. In these chapters, he will take his disciples and explain our fruitfulness comes as we abide in Christ. As we abide in Christ, we will bear much fruit. And that we can have a fruitful life if we abide in Christ. The Bible also takes time where Jesus pulls the disciples aside and he tells them this. This is important. You know, one of the things about Jesus Christ is that he's always honest. He never sugarcoats things. He wants them to know up front how hard things are going to be. And he tells them, guess what? The world hated me and the world's going to hate you. He says, I don't want you to get freaked out about this. I want you to know up front, the world is going to hate you. It hates what you stand for, not because of you, but because it hates me. And he had to teach the disciples this. He pulls them aside and he gives them that reminder. One other thing that he teaches them in the next several chapters during this couple hours is he says the role of the Holy Spirit has after Christ's leave. That the Holy Spirit is going to have an important part and that they need to know what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Now again, he's teaching this to his disciples because he loved them. And these are some of the topics that he's going to cover in the next couple chapters. But the most important thing I'm trying to get across here is he's teaching you this because he loves you. You understand how much he loves you? He loves you so much. And he wrote this not just to allow us to see what he's telling the disciples. He's writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's giving this to us because he loves us. And he wants us to know these same truths so we can continue on and do what he has asked us to do. A second main topic that he hits in here is found in verse number two. If you don't mind, notice with me in verse number two. And the supper being ended, the devil now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. The second thing that we see is the betrayal of Judas The betrayal of Judas. Now during this time, Judas Iscariot is going to sneak out to betray Jesus. Now Jesus knew everything about Judas did from the very beginning. He knew from the very beginning that Judas was not saved. He knew from the very beginning that he was a thief and the robber. He knew from the very beginning Judas was going to betray him. But you want to know something? Jesus never treated Judas any different than he did the disciples. The disciples had no clue that Judas was not saved. He had no clue that Judas was a thief. That Judas was going to betray Jesus. And because Jesus didn't do anything different. He's making sure that the disciples are looking at Jesus and not looking at Judas. But he's giving some instructions and he tells them some things during this time after Judas leaves. So when they go back and reflect, they go, oh, Jesus knew the whole time. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. Judas was not, did not fool Jesus Christ. Now, aren't you glad that that Jesus can't be fooled? He can't be hoodwinked. He knows exactly what's going on at all time. But this is a major event that occurs within these chapters here. Is that Judas betrays Jesus Christ. He leaves them and betrays Christ. And the rest of the disciples are clueless. Even when Judas is gone, they don't think anything of it. 
because he had the treasury bag. There were often times that he was shopping for Jesus. We'll get more into Judas on Sunday night. But you know one of the things that Judas did? He was the church treasurer. But he loved to say, oh, Jesus, they need to have money. I'll be glad to. And so he would hand out money to people and people say, oh, thank you, Judas. And people would be naming their kids after Judas. And they all thought he was a hero. And he did that because he was fooling everyone. But he did not fool Jesus Christ. You know, there are some people that might be even fooling themselves. But they are not fooling Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ knows exactly what's going on. And we'll see that within these chapters. And he does this for a purpose. That way when the disciples go back and they see all the events on 2020 hindsight. They said all the clues were there. How come I didn't see it? I look back and look all the clues were there. It was like a big mystery the whole time. I should have seen it. Jesus said things about it and they didn't get it. There's one last thing that happens during these chapters as Jesus is pulling the disciples close and trying to be intimate with them. Is that he acknowledges this. He acknowledges the Father has given all things into Jesus' hand. He acknowledges that the Father hath given all things into Jesus' hand. Now, remember what I told you is that it starts off in the upper room right after the memorial supper. Jesus gathers the boys aside, teaches them a lesson, and begins to instruct them. He teaches them some more, teaches them some more. And then he says, all right, boys, let's go for a walk. And they leave the upper chamber, and they begin to walk down out of Jerusalem. They go through the gates of Jerusalem. They go through um, the valley. They climb up to the Mount of Olives and go to a garden spot. And Jesus takes them there, and then he begins to pray. Could you imagine what it's like to hear Jesus talk to his father? Remember, Jesus is God. He's talking to himself. But in the relationship, he's talking to his father. Could you imagine what it was like for Jesus just to get down on his knees, fall down on his face, and listen to him pray? You know how amazing that would be? Well, that's what we have, John chapter 17. This is the Lord's Prayer. We understand Jesus taught a model prayer where he said, teach everyone to pray that my fa thou Father which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Jesus didn't pray that. But he said, this is how you pray. What he did pray was in John chapter 17. Could you imagine what it would be like to nestle right next to Jesus and to listen to him pray? And when Jesus prays, he says, God... You've given all these people in my hands and I haven't lost a single one. Aren't you glad that you're safe in Jesus? The Bible says in John chapter 10 that when we get saved, we're placed into Jesus' hand. And as we get saved, we're also placed in God's hand. And no man can pluck you out. What a wonderful thing. And Jesus said, everyone that you gave me, God, I've kept. I've kept. I haven't lost a single one of them. He acknowledges in that prayer that he had finished the work that God sent him to do. And then he takes some time to pray, not just for his disciples, but you know what he prays? Jesus prays for us. He prays for you in John chapter 17. You are in that prayer. And Jesus prays for you. 
What a wonderful prayer. And of course, unfortunately, that prayer ends with Jesus Christ being arrested and being brought to the cross of Calvary. But what we're going to see in this series in the next couple weeks is the intimacy that Jesus has with his disciples. This is not public teaching. This is not classroom teaching. This is him pulling close men who traveled with him for three and a half years and him trying to prepare them for the change of future. Why? It says he having loved them. Guess what? He loved them to the end. And I want you to know something that Jesus loves you. And he'll love you to the end. There's nothing you could do to make God love you more. And there's absolutely no way he will love you any less. He loves you so very much. And in the next couple chapters, the next couple weeks in this series, we're going to see that love that Jesus Christ has for us. And the intimacy as he begins to teach the disciples and us to be prepared for what he has for us in the future. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.